Welcome. We have discussed many times <clears throat> that Rashi does not usually discuss halacha unless the halacha is stated in the Pasuk explicitly, or if by quoting the halacha, even if it does not come from the Pasuk that Rashi is working on, but by quoting the halacha, Rashi can support, help himself to explain the truth they shall mikra. But in and of itself, uh, Rashi's commentary on the Chumash is not a, it's not a Shulchan Aruch, and it's not a uh, Rambam's Mishnah Torah. His primary intent was not to tell us all of the necessary <clears throat> and important halachas. Sometimes we find a uh, unusual and somewhat puzzling phenomenon that Rashi will hint at a halacha. He will say something like, the Gemara says, or uh, the rabbis say, and then he will quote just a few words, and then he will write v'chule. And the words that he says are apparently don't not even enough to, to tell us the basic idea of the halacha. Well, this, of course, is somewhat puzzling. Either you want to tell me the halacha, because for, what, for this reason or for that reason, you have decided that this halacha is important. It is relevant to this pasuk. So tell it to me. So why are you saying v'chule? Why, why, why are you just telling me it's the first two words and then saying etc.? And if you don't want to tell me the halacha, meaning if this particular halacha is not relevant to the explanation of Pshutesh Mikra, then why are you mentioning it at all? Uh, the general principle when looking at such, such Rashi's, in my, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is not that Rashi expects you to go look up the halacha in the Gemara. I don't think that is so. I think if Rashi felt that you really need to know the whole halacha in order to understand the Pasuk that he is commenting on, he would have told it to us. I don't think that he's just um, expecting us to go take out a, a volume from our uh, Talmud Babli and look it up. And I don't think it's that he expects us to know it beforehand. Rather, I think the basic approach should be, the basic understanding should be, is that by quoting just a couple of words and then writing v'chule and then writing etc., Rashi has told us what he needs to tell us. Although you have to think about it, you have to understand why that is, but I think we must conclude that if Rashi tells us uh, the first couple of words of a halacha and then writes etc., it means that what he's told us is sufficient to explain the Pasuk that is in front of us. There are two examples of this right here in Parshas Kisei And we'll look at each example. Let's begin with Perik Chavbeis, Pasuk Aleph. And here the Torah gives us a very well-known mitzvah, the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, of returning a lost object to its owner. The Pasuk says, you shall not see the ox of your brother or the or his uh, or his sheep nidachim that are pushed away that are lost that are wandering about and you will hide yourself from them meaning we we'll see how rashi interprets but even before we get to rashi it would seem to mean that you should not 
see them, and then hide yourself from them. You can't just ignore it. Rather, you shall surely return them to your brother. Let's see Rashi. Lehisalamta, what does it mean? Lehisalem, kovesh ayin. This means you close your eye. Kiilu enoroeho, as if he does not see it. So the pasuk is saying. Well, let's continue. Lehisira lehisalamta. Now, you shall not see, and then hide, and then hide, and then close your eye. So Rashi says lehisira oso. You shall not see it. You shall not see this lost wandering uh, ox. Shetisalem nimenu. In such a way that you should close your eye and not see it. Zehupshuta. This is the simple meaning. Obviously, what Rashi is, is, is bothered with over here is that if you read the pasuk very literally, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It says you shall not see the ox of your brother wandering about. And literally, and you will hide from it. Is that, is that telling me I should hide from it? I shouldn't hide from it? So Rashi says it means you shouldn't see it in such a way that you're going to hide from it. Meaning if you see it, don't hide from it. That's shutai. Now, Rashi says, Our rabbi said, Sometimes you can hide, meaning sometimes you you, you may uh, see a lost object and you may hide yourself from it. You may make believe that you didn't see it, meaning you are permitted not to return it. So sometimes you may hide from the lost object, etc. Now that is not something that the, that the printer decided to put there because he was running low on ink. And uh, no, that's Rashi. Rashi quotes... Three words from the Gemara. So Gemara and Baba Metziah Daf Lamed. We'll see in Yisrael in a moment. Rashi quotes all of three words. Pa'amim, sha'atoh, misalein. Sometimes you can hide yourself. V'chula. And then Rashi himself writes, etc. Now, in other words, what Rashi is telling us is that He's trying to, to resolve this, this apparent difficulty in the Pusik. First, the Pusik says, you shall not see the ox. First of all, it doesn't mean don't see the ox. I see it. It's kind of hard to help what you see once you've seen it. But if Pusik says, you shall not see the ox, the Hisalamta, now the, the, the Pshutai Shalmikri Rashi says, meant you shouldn't see it and then unsee it and then hide from it. But that's not so simple. I mean, that's not that's not the most obvious uh, reading of the of the of the words. So Rashi tells us a Gemara that the hisalamta means you may hide from it. There are certain situations in which you may hide. Let's take a look at the Rabban at the at the Gemara. Gemara Bala Metziah Daf Lamed. The Tana Rabban. The Rabbis taught. Hisalamta, the Pasik says, and you will hide, you will close your eyes from seeing the lost object. Sometimes you may hide yourself. Sometimes you don't, you are not permitted to hide. How is this? 
how do you know which Aveda you have to return and which Aveda you can just close your eyes, so to speak, make believe you didn't see it and just leave it there? So if the person who found the object is a Koyen, but the lost object is in the cemetery and the Koyen is not allowed to go into the cemetery. So therefore, that's a case where it's where it applies the rule of the Hisalamta. You may hide from it. You may refrain from giving it back. The Koyen does not have to go uh, allow himself to become Tame in order to do this mitzvah. Oh, Shohoyezakein. Or if the person who found the lost object is a zakain. For the moment, we're going to say a zakain means a Talmud Chacham. As, the, as uh, Rashi himself says, and it says in the Gemara, um, zakain, the, the root of the word zakain is zekana chachma, this person who has acquired wisdom, the, the wisdom of the Torah. So, hoye zakain, the enolavichvoda, and it is not according to his honor and his respect that he should bend down and pick up this item off the street and then go bring it to the owner, go put up a sign. If that is Eino Lefichlodo, he is exempt from this mitzvah. In such a case, we would say, you may hide. Or another case where this person's malacha, this person's business, this person who finds the object, his business is greater than that of his friend, meaning the lost object might be worth $5, but it's going to take me an hour to, to, uh, to pick it up and then to uh, put up a sign and then go walk to the person's house. And in one hour, I can earn $50. So I'm not obligated to forfeit my $50 in order to return to you your $5 object. So the chach ne'emar v'hisalam tamehem. For these situations, regarding these situations, the Torah says, the Hisalamta mayhem. You may hide yourself from the Aveda, meaning you you may see it. Okay, you saw it because you saw it. Not everything you see, you choose to see. Um, you saw it, but you may then close your eyes, so to speak, and make like you didn't see it, meaning you don't have to give it back in these situations. That's how to interpret the word in the Pasuk, the Hisalamta. You may hide yourself when in certain situations that are here discussed in the Gemara. Now, that's the Gemara. But Rashi and Chumash, we can ask a question. How could Rashi tell us half of a Gemara? Rabbi Seinu Omru, Rashi tells us. Our rabbi said, Sometimes you can hide. Vechule. <laughs> Were we supposed to just somehow know the Gemara's three cases? The uh, the Kayin and the Abedas in the Besa in the Besa Forest, or the Talmud Chacham, and it's not according to his Kavid, and the person whose work, whose own work is worth more than the value of the Aveda. I mean, did Rashi expect us to just know this intuitively? Or did he just assume that everybody knows the Gemara in Baba Messiah Dathlamid? Doesn't seem likely. So how could Rashi leave us hanging just with this v'chulet? But the answer, of course, is that Rashi is not interested in telling us the halacha. The halacha is a very important thing. When you learn the Gemara Baba Messiah, and when you learn Hilchais Hashavah Saveda, you need to learn these halachas. But Rashi, in his commentary on Chumash, 
he's not here to teach us the halacha per se. He's here to teach us, he's here to help us understand what the simple meaning of the Pasuk is. Now, the simple meaning of this Pasuk is difficult. It seems to be saying that if you see a lost object, you must give it back. But it also includes a word, vihisalamta, which seems to be, seems to be saying a, a positive, um, I won't call it a commandment, but a, but a positive directive, you shall hide yourself from it. You don't have to give it back. So which is it? Do I have to give it back or do I not have to give it back? So Rashi says, he just quotes a few words from the Gemara. There are situations in which you don't have to give back the, the Aveda. There are situations in which you can simply go right by it, make believe you didn't see it. And then he just says, etc. Because the knowledge of exactly in which cases you may do so is not relevant to our very simple and basic understanding of this person. As long as we know that there are some cases and some categories of people who don't have to give back the Aveda, we understand what it means for his salam. The rest is details for another time. The rest is details for when you learn the Gemara. It was sufficient for Rashi as, the, as a commentator, as an ex explicator of Chute Shalmikra that he would just say, Bechulim, etc. When you have time, you could look it up if you're interested. But the Pusik has been explained. There are times that one may hide oneself from the Aveda, and it's permitted. Okay, another example. A little bit later in the same Eric. Eric of base, this is a mistake, I believe. Eric of base, Pasik Chav He. Now, here the Torah is talking about a very unfortunate incident that might occur, unfortunately. It is talking about a man who forces a woman to have relations with him. And not only is that uh, very uh, unfortunate and very regrettable, but she's a married woman. She's an Arusa, which means she accepted Kedushin from, from a man, and she is 100% an Aishas Ish. In the ancient times, they used to wait 12 months between Harrison and Nisuan until the time that the, that the, 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 the Hassan and the Kala would actually go and live together. Uh, in our days, we do it one right after the other, right? Right in one ceremony. But in the meantime, between the time of Arison and the time of Kupa, she is an Aishas each. And this is what happened to her. If in a field, a man will find this Nara Hamurasa, this young, young woman, who is Ma'irasa, who is Mi'ureses, she is Mi'kudeshes, to a different man. And some guy, some rotten, miserable person, finds her out in the field. Behechsik bo ba'ish. And this man grabs her, takes her by force. The shachav imor, and he lays with her, meaning he has relations with her, which is, of course, a terrible crime. This is Eishas ish. ish asher shachav imor levado. So then the man who, who had relations with her, the man who lay with her, 
shall die, meaning he shall be put to death, livado, but only him, only he. She, as we'll see in a moment, she is not liable. She had no choice in the matter. She was forced into this. He was a Baal Bechira. He decided to do this, this, despicu this despicable act for which he will be killed. And the Pasa continues. To the girl, to the young woman, you shall not do anything. No punishment. The, the girl, the young woman, has no sin for which she deserves death or really any other punishment. Because like, it is like a person who will rise up against his friend and murder him, so is this thing. Let's take a look at Rashi. Okay, Rashi says, According to the simple pshat, the following is the meaning of this Anusi. The Pasek means to say that this young woman is Anusa. She's been forced into what happened. She had no choice. And it was with force that this man rose up against her and did what he did. He's like a person who stands up, rises up against his friend and kills him. If, if, if Ruvain, that's for Shalom, if Ruvain kills Shimon, Ruvain gets punished. We don't say Shimon is punished because, because he committed suicide, because he participated in his own killing. No, we say <laughs> Shimon had no choice in this matter. Shimon was uh, standing in the wrong place at the wrong time, but I mean, he's not legally culpable. Something was done to him, not that he did something. So you are not punished for something that is done to you against your will by force. So it is the same thing with this, with this young girl. Okay, that's Shuta. Now Rashi says, Rabbi Senu Dorshubo, our rabbis expounded about this Pusik, This is coming to teach us something, but it is found to be taught about. In other words, these words, seem to be coming to teach us something about the case of Benara. They seem to be coming to tell, they seem to be coming to tell us that the Nara is butter. They seem to be giving the reason why the why the young woman is exempt from any punishment here. But Nimsa Lamed, but really it comes out that the case of Rotseach, we are actually learning something about the Rotseach, Vechule, etc. Now this is seems to be completely cryptic. I mean, if you just know this Rashi, if you just read the words, well. What is Rashi saying altogether? What, what did we learn about the Rotseach here? The Rotseach here was the Malame. The Rotseach is an example which teaches us something, that when something is done against your will, you have no legal liability. We're not learning it, but we're not learning anything about the Rotseach. It's the Rotseach is teaching us a certain principle. And Rashi just says, well, it's coming to teach us. It's coming. These words are coming in the Pasuk so that we should learn something about the laws of Ritzayach. And Rashi just says, the etc. He doesn't tell us what it is. So we're really left hanging over here. 
Let's go to the Gemara. First of all, find out what Rashi is referring to, but then we're going to have to come back and we're going to have to explain how Rashi could leave us hanging like that. Here's the Gemara, the Sechta Sanhedrin, Dafayin Gimel. Ayin Gimel Amid Aleph. I'm enamored of those two little marks over there. I'd rather do it like that. Okay. The Bay, the Bay Rabbi Tana, from the house, from the yeshiva of Rebbe, we learned the following. Hekeshahu. There is a hekesh here, meaning there is a a, a limud, there is a something that is derived based on the fact that two things are in the same place. The two the two were uh, two items are in the same puzzle or next to each other. And the Gemara and the, the Raisa quotes this Pasuk. It is like when a man will rise up against his fellow and kill him. So the, the Raisa asks, What really did we learn from Rotseach? Meaning as follows. We don't really need these words. We really don't need those words to understand that um, that the that the young woman here is exempt. We know already that she's she's not chayev. Maybe besides the fact that it's rather intuitive that she should be pata. But even besides that, the pasuk already said, The 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 girl does has not done any sin for which she deserves to be killed. So what really are we learning from these words about the Rotseach? That's the Bryce's question. So may I talk from now, meaning based on this, based on this question, we have to say, it must be that these words about the Rotseach seem to be coming to teach us something, but really they are coming to be taught about. Makish the Pasuk is making a connection between a murderer and this case of the Narahamu Urasa. Ma Narahamu Urasa nitin lahatzilo benatshay. Just like the Narahamu Urasa, it is given, meaning it is permitted to save her with the soul of the one who is running after her. Meaning, if I see a man running after a, uh, a Narahamu Urasa and I can see that his intent is to, to rape her so I can kill him. Now, I can't kill him after he's done it. After he's done it, that requires a base in, that requires Aiden, etc. But if I see him in the act of going after her, it is nitan lahatzilo binaf shoy. And they save her by killing him. So af seach, so also wrote seach, the murderer, nitan lahatzilo binaf shoy. It is permitted and it is, uh, it is necessary, it is obligatory to save the victim by taking the soul of the perpetrator. Meaning, if I see Ruben running after Shimon and it is clear that his intent is to kill Shimon, I may kill Ruben in the act. After he's killed Shimon, I can't just pull out a gun and kill Ruben. Now we need a base din, we need evidence, we need a hold in Torah. But when Reuben is in the act of chasing after Shimon in order to kill him, I can, I can, uh, I can kill Reuben if necessary. If that's the only way that I can prevent this from happening, I may do it. So therefore, 
Why does the Torah put the words Kikasha Yakum Nefesh? Is to teach us something about the Ratsayah. That just like by Narahama Urasa, you may kill her pursuer in order to save her from this, this misfortune that is about to happen to her, so too I may kill a person who was running after his friend to kill him. Now, the obvious question is the Gemara raises the Narahama Urasa Gufa Minala. And Narahamurasa herself, from where do we know that I'm allowed to kill her pursuer in order to prevent him from doing what he wants to do? Where, where do you see that in the Pesach? Certainly not the uh, certainly not the most simple reading of the Pesach. Doesn't say any here over here about killing the pursuer before he before he accomplishes his act. But the Gemara says, Kiritana de Rabbi Yishmael. It's like what we learned, Ibraisa from the yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmael. The Tanah David Rabbi Yishmael, we learned from the yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmael, it says in the next Pasuk, which I neglected to put on the screen, the Ein Moshiach law. The Pasuk says that the, 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 this young woman is not in any way liable for any crime because she was out in the field. She yelled when she was being pursued, when this crime was being committed against her, but Ein Moshiach law. There was nobody to rescue her. There was no one to save her. So what was she supposed to do? So, the, so on that, the Gemara makes an inference. For yesh Moshiach law, if there would be a Moshiach, if there would be a savior at hand, meaning if there would be some other person standing there who was capable of preventing this, so he can save the girl with any method that he is able to save her, including killing her pursuer. So the halacha is explicit in the Torah. Perhaps not explicit, but the halacha in the Torah says that we may, you may kill a man who is pursuing a nara mehurasa to, to do a sin with her, force him into a sin. You may kill her. And that's why the Torah also mentions the rotseach in these psukkah. Why does it mention the murderer? Because it's hinting to you that you may do the same thing if you see someone chasing after his his friend, quote unquote, to kill him, you may kill the pursuer. Now, very nice, very interesting and important halacha in the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Could it possibly be that when Rashi says, Rabbi Senu Darshu Bo, our rabbis expound about this, that these words about the Ritzayah are coming to teach us, but really they're coming to have a lesson taught about them. Bechula and etc. You think that Rashi really expected us to, to know this Gemara in Sanhedrin? I mean, the Gemara in Sanhedrin is not at all um, obvious and apparent and intuitive that the reason it mentions Ritzayah is to tell you that there's a law about Ritzach that we can derive from the laws about Narahamu Rasa. And where do we know from where do we know that law about the Narahamu Rasa? You have to go to the next Pusik and you have to make an inference. Ain Moshia law. From there we can infer that if there would be a Moshia, you're allowed to, you're, he's allowed to kill the pursuer in order to prevent this terrible crime from being committed. That is not obvious that. Hard to understand well, how Rashi could expect us to know that just with this little hint, just by saying, etc. 
How could Rashi do this? Did he want to teach us the halacha? He would have had to tell us more about the Gemara. I mean, Rashi was a great genius in taking a fairly complex piece of Gemara and maybe boiling it down to uh, five, six words. But he didn't even get started over yet. I mean, he, he has done nothing to, to really to help us know what this Gemara is telling us. So how could he leave us hanging with this Bechulet? But here also the answer, I really hinted at the answer before. The answer is that Rashi had a question in Pshat. His question in Pshat was, what really are these words teaching us? These words, they are, they seem, they really seem to be superfluous. The Pesach already said, this young lady, this young woman has no, she is not culpable for any sin. And you don't have to be a genius to understand the reason for it. She was forced into it. So why does the Pesach add all these words? So Rashi first explains the Pshut Mikra, however he explains it. We read through that already. And then he says, if the question is still bothering you, why did the Pesach have to say, there's a Gemara that tells us that it's teaching us some law about Ritzayah. You don't have to know right now what that law is. You who are learning Chumash, and you're learning Pesach by Pesach, and right now you're learning Parashas Kiseitzah. You don't have to know right now what the Halacha is. When you learn the Gemara, Sanhedrin, and when you learn Rambam, Hilchus Ritzayah, of course the Rambam <laughs> lived later than Rashi. I mean, when you learn a legal code about the laws of Ritzayah, you'll, you'll find that Halacha. Rashi is just telling us that the Gemara gives a different explanation of what it means. The Gemara answers for us the question why those words are necessary. It's teaching us something about the Rotseach. And therefore, it is sufficient for Rashi simply to say, etc. His main point is simply to take note that those words are a difficulty. They seem to be superfluous, but there's an answer. The Gemara tells us that really those words are coming to tell us a new, a new and important halach. Okay, these are two examples where Rashi says, Bechule, he quotes the halacha, but then he says, etc., without really telling us what the halacha is. In both cases, the, the, the fundamental point, the, the fundamental uh, piece of advice that can help us understand Rashi is to say to ourselves, what question in shot was Rashi bothered with? And did his little half of a quotation of the Gemara um, give us an answer to the question? And in both cases, this method works. I'd like to go back to the Pasuk about Hashavah Saveda, and I'd like to discuss this little bit of Gemara the Gemara says that the word Behisalamta, you you shall and you may uh, hide yourself from the Aveda and not return it. The Gemara says that it is um, teaching us about three categories of people who don't have to give, don't have to return an Aveda. One of them is Chayen, 
One of them is, I'm going out of order now for a certain reason. One of them is, that that my the value of why my work is greater than the value of the Aveda of the Aveda. So therefore I don't have to uh, I don't have to give up on my hour's work in order to give you back your little Aveda that isn't worth even as much as my one hour of work. And the third case is Zokin the end Now the Gemara itself says the Gemara itself says that really the, the main case out of all these three is really Zokin the end of the Let's highlight that. The Gemara says that really we didn't need a Pasuk to tell us that if a Kayan finds an Aveda or sees the Aveda in the base of Chorus, in the cemetery, meaning he's walking by the cemetery where he can maintain his Tara, but he looks looks over the fence and he sees uh, he sees his friend's sheep wandering around in there or some other object that he that is obviously lost so he does not have to go in. The Gemara says really we don't need this puzzle to tell us that really um, the, the law that the Koyen is not allowed to become Tame is called a Mitzvah Leisase and a Mitzvah Sase. There is a Mrs. Leisase um, of Lo Yitama that he is not allowed to cause tumor to himself, tumor by contact with dead bodies. And there's also, there are also psukim that make it a mitzvah saseh, a positive mitzvah that he must maintain his kedusha and his tahorah. Returning an Aveira, returning an Aveda, pardon me, is only a mitzvah saseh, ashev tashif. And therefore the Gemara says, en aseh deicha, leisaseh aseh. A mitzvah saseh, returning the Aveda, does cannot push off something that has both mitzvah saseh and lo saseh attached to it. So the mitzvah of Ashavah Saveda really is not strong enough to push off the problem of a Kayan going into the base of chorus. And that's really just based on general principles. We don't need a special cluster for that. Similarly, the Gemara says that if if the value of my work is greater than the value of the Aveda, we really don't need this Pasuk to tell us that I don't have to give back the Aveda. But there's another Pasuk. There's another Pasuk that says, There's a Pasuk that says that there shall not be any poor amongst you. Now, the simple meaning of that Pasuk, as Rashi understands it in Chumash, is that... Um, that it's a promise that if we will keep the mitzvahs, there will be no poor people amongst Kal Yisrael. But the Gemara is explaining that Pusik that it means that you should not allow yourself to become poor. There are some uh, religions that, that think it's some sort of a great uh, mitzvah, it's a great thing to be destitute. But the Torah says no. The Torah says you should take care of yourself, you should make sure that you have a sufficient means. Of course, for different people, the, the word sufficient has different meanings. But, but to impoverish yourself is no mitzvah. Therefore, if, it's, uh, if, if returning your Aveda is going to cost me a lot of money, because my, my time is much more valuable than this Aveda, so then I don't have to give back the Aveda.
So we really didn't need this Pasuk to tell us that. What really is the Pasuk telling us? This Pasuk that says, V'hisalamta, it's really referring primarily to the case of Zaking, V'hinalafichoyda. This always bothered me a little bit. Why, why is that person exempt? I mean, he's a Talmud Chacham, and he wears a nice long coat, and he has a long gray beard, and people respect him as they should. But I mean, doesn't he have to do all the mitzvahs? How does this exempt him from a mitzvah? It's a Zerisachosa. The Pasuk says, V'hisalamta. Pasal tell us that's what it means. But how do we understand this? So I think perhaps we can go to a Pasuk in and a Parshas Bamidbar, and a Rashi, and a Gurariya, and I think we can get a little bit of insight into this halacha. In Parshas Bamidbar, uh, Moshe is commanded to count the B'nai Yisrael, and he does so, and then he is commanded to count the B'nai Levi. When he counted the B'nai Yisrael, he did not include the Levi. But here in Perak Gimel, Pasuk Tezvav, Kodesh who says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Koyed es B'nai Levi, count the B'nai Levi, according to their father's houses, according to their families, every male, from the age of one month and above, you shall count them. Not like the B'nai Yisrael who were counted from the age of 20. Here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants Meshire to count all the Levian from the age of one month. Okay. Moshe Rabbeinu was a very uh, obedient fellow. It says in the next Pasuk, and Moshe counted them, by the word of Hashem, as he was commanded. Now, as we'll see in a moment, Rashi seems to be bothered by these two phrases. They both seem to be saying the same thing, that he did it because Hashem commanded him to do it. What does it mean he counted them, Alpi Hashem? It means Hashem said do it, so he did it. What does it mean, Kashir Subor? It means as he was commanded. So let's see the Rashi. Very interesting Rashi. Omar Meshu Lefne Akodesh Borah. Meshu Rabbeinu said in front of Akodesh Borah, How can I go into all of their houses, all the houses of the Levi, or the Seich Ohaleim, and into their, their tents? Vadas Minyan Yon in order to know, in order to ascertain the number of their yonkim, of their little children who nurse at their mother's breast. How can I do that? Remember, the B'nai Yisraeli counted from age 20. Okay, count all the men from age 20. Very nice. But here he's got to go into their houses and find all the little babies. So Meishu Rabbeinu said, how can I do that? Baruch said to Meishu, you do what's for you. You do what you got to do. And I will do my part. So Moshe went. And he stood by the, the doorway of the tent of a Levite family. And the Shechina would go before him. Moshe Rabbeinu would stand by the doorway. The Shechina would go into the house. And a baskol, a, a heavenly voice, would come out from the from the tent, and it would say, So and so many little babies are in this house. Therefore, Rashi says, 
al pi Hashem. That's what it means that this census of the Levium was done al pi Hashem. It was literally done, at least in part, by the mouth of Hashem. Hashem did the counting for my Rabbeinu. Okay, Kasher Suba means my Rabbeinu did what he was told to do. But al pi Hashem is telling us that Akadosh Baruch Hu literally did at least some of the work. He actually went into the tents of the Levian and counted up how many babies. Now, the question that we can raise on Rashi is, what, what exactly is Moshe Rabbeinu's, uh, exactly is he worried about? Moshe Rabbeinu says, How can I go into everyone's houses and into their tents? Ladas minyan yonkehem in order to know the number of their little babies. Now, I could answer that question. You know how you do it? You knock on the door and you, you introduce yourself. I'm, hi, my name is Moshe Rabbeinu, and I've been commanded by God to count every male Levite from the age of one month. And, and you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to come in and I'd like to count how many babies and grown sons and grown men there are here. Very simple. What exactly was Meshur Rabbeinu worried about? Was he worried about Sneus? It's not Sneus to look at the at the women uh, nursing their little babies? Maybe. Let's see how the Goraya explains it. It says, Vikasha, this is difficult. Because of the Tircha, because of the exertion, the bother, that he didn't want to want to enter into their tents. Nimnu al pi Hashem, because of that, they were counted literally by Hashem. Um, the general principle is, is that a Kaddish world who doesn't do miracles just, just to show off. Generally speaking, a Kaddish world who wants the world to run in the way in which he created it. And if he asks you to do something, he wants you to do it. Um, he, he doesn't want to do it himself in some miraculous fashion. So the Gurari says, well, so what's the big deal? Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu go into the house? So just because it's, it's, uh, it would take too much time, and therefore a Kaddish Baruch who did this miracle, he says, Venira, it would appear, that the explanation of this is as, is as follows. It is a lessening of kavan. It is a denigration of the stature of a Talmud Chacham, that he should enter into an oil since there are women there. I have a feeling he really means that there are women there who are nursing their babies. I don't, I don't know if it's a deny the Talmud Chacham to walk into a house because there happens to be a woman there. That, that seems a little extreme. But he means for Moshe Rabbeinu to walk in there and there are women nursing their babies and he's got to go count the babies. It's a deny. That's a lessening of his covenant. It's not usher. Uh, it's, not, it's not a breach of sneers necessarily. We're not talking about anybody acting in a way that is anything less than 100% sanuah. It's, it's a gnai the Talmud Chacham. And you'll notice the, the, the Gorari is not saying it's a gnai for the Isho Elohim, Maisha Rabbeinu. No, it's a gnai for a Talmud Chacham. Any Talmud Chacham. For the Fichach, and therefore, Amar, he said, Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how can I go into their tents 
to find out the number of their little babies. So the morale is telling us that the covet of a Talmud Chacham is it's a very um, it's a very real thing. It's not just something to be dealt with casually and just um, just let it go. It doesn't matter. Uh, sometimes you'll uh, you'll you'll read an obituary about some very important person, some very person with many many admirable uh, characteristics, and the the author of the obituary will write, um, "This person." He didn't know the meaning of covered. That sounds like the greatest praise. Maybe not. I, I, it sounds like from this morale, no. If you're a if a person is a Talmud Chacham, of course he's not supposed to walk around with his nose in the air and ordering everybody around and stand up for me. But the idea that one shouldn't know what covered is, I don't think that's not the impression I get from this morale. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was Anav Mikol Adam, who was the most humble of all people, but he understood as a Talmud Chacham, there are certain situations which are somewhat, in some small measure, demeaning for a person who's a Talmud Chacham. And therefore, he, he said to Kaddish Baruch how do I do it? I know you want me to do it. I know you're the Rebbeinu Shalayla. You are Kaddish Baruch What you do, what, what you say I have to do, I have to do. But but how do I do it? How do I do it? There's a conflict with my status as a Talmud Chacham. It's G'nai who the Talmud Chacham to do what you're asking me to do. So, so how do I do it? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kodesh Baruch Hu accepted this, this, this argument. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, okay, I'll do it for you. We can assume that really that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. In the first place, I'm not going into that philosophical question. But you see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed to Moshe Rabbeinu that this is a problem. And it's a problem. It is, it is, enough, is, it, it is enough of a reality that it, that it could have exempted Moshe Rabbeinu from this mitzvah, except there's a workaround in this case. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do it for him. And I think this helps us understand a little bit the Gemara, that the Gemara's comment on this Pesach, on the first Pesach that we looked at today, that sometimes a person may hide from the Aveda, meaning he doesn't have to give back the Aveda, even though it, it, it is truly lost. And uh, for those who have learned a little Bava there was no Yish. We can, we can uh, determine that the owner is not likely to have given up on it. And it's, uh, it belongs to a Jewish person and et cetera, et cetera. It meets all the other requirements of being the type of lost object that one has to give back. But there's now a new reason why this particular person doesn't have to give it back. And that's because it's zakein, the ain of the fichleide. Because for a Talmud Chacham, in this particular situation, to, to pick up this small item and to go, go tramping back to find the owner, it would be ain of the fichleide. And the covet of a Talmud Chacham is a reality and it's a rea reality even to the point of sometimes not doing a mitzvah because it, it stands in opposition to the act that the mitzvah is demanding of you to do. I should note, to, to be honest, that in the uh, Shita Mikubetzes, which is a, a very a classic uh, collection of commentaries on, 
on the Gemara of Baba Metziya and several other Mesechtas. So there it is cited a Emachloikas. The Ritva says that Zokin, the Eno the Fichloidai, is referring specifically to Zokin, Ze Shekona Chachma. It's referring to a Talmud Chacham. He says, but someone else who just happens to be respected by society for other good reasons is not exempt from giving back a, uh, an Aveda. You have, let's say, a wealthy person who uses his wealth very well. He uses it to, to help the poor and to support important causes, and he is deserving of the respect of the community. But according to the Ritva, that person is not exempt from the Mitzvah Shabbos Aveda. Only the Talmud Chacham which fits in very well with the way we're explaining it here. The Rambam, however, writes, the Rambam writes both things. He says, Zokin could mean a Talmud Chacham. It could also mean any older, very respected person. Um, I don't think it really contradicts what we're saying, but it, it, it requires us to spin it a little bit differently. We have to say in general that COVID is, is not a light thing. COVID is a very, a very real reality. And sometimes it even goes to the point that because of a person's covet, he could even sometimes be exempt from a mitzvah. Of course, this is not, uh, it doesn't exempt you from whatever mitzvah you might feel like being exempt from. Here you needed a Pasuk. The Pasuk is saying that the Zokin Ve'enolavikvedai is exempt from the mitzvah of, of Hashavah Saveda. Meshulavenu thought that perhaps it could, it could exempt him from the mitzvah of counting the Levian. Others world who said, well, it doesn't exactly exempt you. I will find a way that you, I will provide a way in which you can do it. But we see here the reality of COVID and that COVID can even sometimes exempt a person from a mitzvah.